Amen. Thank you so much. Amazing grace. When once I believed. That's what it's about this morning. Hope is real. I, I, if you could help me in the booth, I feel like I'm in a drum up here. Does it sound that way to you guys? Almost hard to listen to. Thank you. Um, today's choice is the one that follows the first choice, which is the choice of reality. That really there are things in our lives that are straining us to continue to control. The reality choice says that I'm tired of the fear of being found out. I'm tired of the frustration of trying to control others and control of my, myself. I'm tired of the fatigue of hiding those failures, of keeping up appearances. I need to admit my inability to control myself, my world. I'm ready to stop trying to control my image, control other people, manage my problems, cover my pain. I'm ready to stop denying. That's the first choice, the reality choice, turning 180 degrees. And I want you to see what you're turning from and what you're turning for. You're turning from denial. That path of just keeping on along the same path, fooling yourself, trying to fool others that you can handle it. Things are going okay, right? To let go of the denial, we turn from denial and we turn uh, towards admission or rather, our admitting turns us away from our denial and towards our Lord, towards the help that we need from beyond ourselves to better manage our situation. The first of the Beatitudes is blessed are the poor, especially the spiritually poor, those who don't have the power to manage the world. You are not God. And if you've been trying to be so, no wonder you're worn out. Right? But denial is a hard thing to let go of. Sometimes it's easier just to persist in what's familiar. I've heard the story of a, uh, a flood that came into an area and they weren't used to a flood and the reporters went out to cover it and they found a lady up on the top of her house. You know, the waters were rising and the reporter went out there in the boat, got up on top of the house and they were noticing things that were going by, you know. The neighbor's car floated by. Uh, dog house went by with the dog on top as it floated by. And, and the reporter was just noticing this, getting a few comments from the lady. When, when he noticed something that was really strange, he saw a baseball cap come floating by. And then it turned around and went the other way. And then it floated back downstream. And it turned around and went the other way. He said, I've never seen anything like that. What on earth could that be? She says, oh, don't worry about that. That's just Glenn, my husband. He said, come hell or high water, he was going to mow the lawn today. <laughs> or are, are, are your white knuckling control in your life? You know, that, that's a symptom. 
A symptom that we're not letting God be God, that, that, that we're, we're trying to control it all. That can be a very tiring, tiring life. It becomes downright dysfunctional. It can hurt us and hurt other people because we've been people uh, that were hurt. But when, whenever we take the reality step, something that soon follows it is mourning. You know? When you get around to deciding you're no longer going to run from those things that you've been running from, that you'll face things that are true that you've tried to hide, that you'll face things that are true that you've tried to hide from. Facing that can be a scary thing. And the reality of it is almost always that we mourn. That's the, that's the appropriate response. We've been hurt. We've hurt other people. Things that have happened that, that, that are wrong. And mourning is appropriate. Mourning means not that things are going wrong, but actually things are starting to go right. We're starting to realize. We're starting to come out of denial. It, admitting reality often means that we become people who embrace mourning rather than trying to shut it out. And though that mourning may feel like a flood that would overwhelm us, hear this promise this morning. Blessed are they who mourn, for they shall be comforted. In fact, in some translations, it's even blessed who mourn, for God will comfort them. You see, there's light at the end of this tunnel. But it's so easy for us, once we start coming into the light of reality, to immediately go right back into the shadows. There has to be something that gives us traction to bear this this new revelation, right? Sometimes we, we, we've been found out. Our, our life has fallen apart. We've been discovered. Other times, God gives us the courage to choose to deal with things before they become even worse. We mourn then all the I wish I hadn't. We mourn then all the hurts that others had inflicted upon us. We mourn that all of our tactics in the past have not been a working solution. And, and, and we mourn the time that we've lost in putting off facing things. We decide we're not going to excuse ourselves and we're not going to accuse others. We're going to pay attention to the pain. You know, pain can be like an alarm. You know? Like, if, if, uh, if the fire alarm was to go off in here this morning, that's meant to motivate us to action, to deal with whatever's going on, you know? To seek out the smoke and the fire and, and, and where, where it's kindling and to put the thing out, right? To deal with it. But when fire alarms, emotional pain alarms go off in our lives, sometimes we get in the habit of not dealing with it that way. We don't want to go find the fire. We have an inkling of where the fire is, and we don't want to go there, right? So what do we do? Somebody shoot that blasted alarm. Where, where is that thing? Muffle it. 
Let's go outside and escape from it. Pretend it's not going off. It's so natural to our human nature to choose denial rather than the fear that uh, that thing that we fear. But the path to healing takes us to mourning, but it takes us through mourning to comfort, to wholeness. The second choice is the hope choice. We turn from our denial and we turn towards the help, right? And we know we need help because we haven't found it in ourselves. So there must be a source outside of ourselves. If there's a solution to this, help is beyond us. We turn from our denial and we turn towards help. We need to find a a power higher than ourselves, the higher power. But I'm here to tell you which higher power you choose makes a lot of difference. I've heard that some people, you know, choose their pet rock as their higher power. At least it's something outside themselves. But the difficulty that I see with that is that nobody really trusts the God that they imagine. Because instinctively we know that the God that we imagine is an imaginary God. And if we're going to shift our weight to trust something, we want it to be real, don't we? We want it to be real hope, not false hope. And so folks, I don't, I don't think anything will do but the real God. Those in our Celebrate Recovery will testify to you that uh, they found help in that higher power. And God, through Jesus Christ, is their higher power. And if we're going to have this same hope alive within us, hope that changes our situation, hope that makes us risk recovery, then we need to acknowledge God's existence too. That's the first blank. If you fill in the blanks, you got your sermon notes with you? Acknowledge God's existence. I know some of you are filling the blankers, and if we get through this part and go on and you haven't filled in the blank, you'll be upset. So here we go. There it is. The first step is to not acknowledge God's existence. Anyone who comes to God... Hebrews 11.6 says, anyone who comes to God, who finds this other hand to reach out to that spells hope, anyone who comes to God must believe that He exists. Well, that's the first part of it. But did you know that 95% of Americans even today will will acknowledge that a God exists? It's just kind of a, a, a rational explanation. You know, you can't... You can't uh, explain away the complexity of life around you. And we know we didn't do it. 95% of people believe that there is a God. The rub is that some of us doubt the kind of God that God is. If that's just a God that's all-powerful, but whose power could zap us as easily as it could heal us. It's not that we don't believe that there is a God. It's that we withhold ourselves from His power working in our lives because we don't trust it or we don't trust Him. 
we want to keep control. And as long as we keep control, we're staying in denial. We're shutting ourselves off from that, from that hand of hope and of healing. If we're, not, if we're going to do more than just acknowledge that God is, and even the demons do that, then if we're going to really avail ourselves of this help, we've got to trust God. How do you come to trust God? When people often tell me, you know, I, I don't believe in God. My first question is almost always, tell me about the God you don't believe in. And I discovered that almost all the time, the kind of God they don't believe in is a God I don't believe in either. It's, it's, it's a, a view of God that's inaccurate, that's skewed, that's been colored by other relationships and other people and other happenings. But it's an inaccurate picture of God. If we're to turn to this higher power, we first have to acknowledge God's existence, but then we have to understand God's character. And we understand God's character because Christ is the visible expression of the invisible God. Jesus shows us God's true character. Jesus shows us that character, not the memories of an abusive parent, of a neglected, a neglecting spouse. Jesus is the visible expression of the invisible God. If God's going to be a God that we trust, it makes sense to study Jesus. I wonder if it'd be helpful to some of us if, if for all those places in our lives that we struggle to trust God, can you identify those? Those places that are difficult for you to hand over to Him. I challenge you to find an image in Scripture where you see Jesus proving the opposite. You know, God doesn't know about me. My, my struggle is off his radar. Do you know that Jesus said that every hair on your head, God numbers, that every sparrow, when he falls, he sees it. Every hair on your head. Now, that doesn't mean that some of us are paid attention more to than others, I don't think. That's <laughs> not what that's getting at. But, but God is that kind of attentive God. If if others have neglected, if others have not noticed, if others have not been interested in your life or in your pain or in your wholeness, God is a different kind of relationship. I love to remember the woman at the well. Do you remember her? She was in hiding. She was on her sixth relationship. She was a serial dater. She didn't, she didn't deal with her pain. She just kept seeking the solution for that pain in the next guy. I'm not going to ask for any raises of hands this morning. It's not, it's not an uncommon scenario, really. But Jesus came to her, and when she leaves Jesus' presence, when she goes back into the city, do you remember what she said? Come and see the man who told me everything about me. And he didn't abuse, and he didn't run away. He looked into her heart and saw not only those things that might have been true about her, but he looked into her heart and saw the truth about her and said, I see you as one who is a true worshiper of God that worships in spirit and truth. You don't have to hide anymore. You can quit the pretense. You're safe with me. 
And she'd come that morning wanting to fill up a jar. When she left Jesus, the jar was left behind. That kind of filling didn't matter anymore. Do do, do you have images, understandings from Scripture about how God truly is, especially in those places that you struggle to trust, that you struggle to let go? I encourage you to do that. And that's an individual task. That's something that you can do with friends. You can ask of a pastor. But find that antidote to denial. Wow. Jesus tells us this. If you look at the life of Jesus, we know that God's character, God knows about my situation. He knows. And even more than that, God cares about our situation. God can change me and my situation. Philippians 2.13 says, It is God who is at work in you both to will and to do His good pleasure. His good pleasure. Do you know that God's pleasure for you is good for you? It's actually the best thing for you. So that when you align yourself with pleasing Him, your life is always on a path towards healing. God is at work in you. Is He? Is He or are you still holding the reins? Have you decided, not only is the management I've formerly been under been shoddy, but I want to turn to new management and I can name who that new management is. If you can't name the new manager, your hope is very, very frail. It's little more than a wish. But if your hope is in Jesus... then this promise is for you. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. It's as simple as believing that God is that kind of God, that you can place your trust in Him so that you can now receive from Him a different kind of power. 2 Timothy 1.7 says that God has given us His Spirit And it's not a spirit of fear anymore, but a spirit of power and of love and of self-control. At the heart of most of our brokenness is the need for those three things. Power. Power because our willpower is so often not enough. Love because it's often love that we're seeking in all the wrong places. Self-control. Because until I turn my life over to new management... Controlling myself has proven futile, right? Would you believe and receive that this morning? Is God worthy of that kind of trust? And when you, will you say this morning, before you leave here, God, I want to take hold of your hand. I, I want to trust your promise, your power. Your love, your self-control to be the reshaping of my life. Can you say this morning, God, I'm willing to be made willing. Holy Spirit, come within me. Displace the ghosts of my past and become the new motivator in my heart. If this is your choice this morning, 
It's as simple as a four-letter word away. Help. Help. And know that you're calling out to the God who not only can heal you, but who wants to heal you. Who will make you a part of that process of His healing so it goes deeper than you can ever imagine. So that it doesn't stop with just doing away with the symptoms, those behaviors that you can't control, that have gotten beyond your ability to rein in. Those things, those habitual sins that you return to again and again and again. He will heal deeper than that. Not just the willpower to be sober, but the healing to recover. That's a different thing. That's a reshaping of the heart. That's not just setting free. It's learning to live free. And in these next choices, we'll talk about the how-tos to get there. The how-tos that work it out. But this morning, our, our choice, I hope, is clearly before us. Will we trust that God? This is His promise to you. If you choose Him as your higher power, when you go through the deep waters and the great trouble, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. And you don't have to keep mowing the lawn. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The mourning is a phase we go through. And in truth, every time we admit something else about ourselves that is out of control or displeasing to God or something about ourselves that we want to change but we don't have the power to change, almost every time, no, not almost every time, I don't know any time that would exclude it, our first step is to admit reality. And our second step, our, our, our second experience having done that is mourning. But mourning is not the end of the journey. It's just a sign that you're on it. And some of you need to hear that. That it is okay not to be okay. That God can redeem that hurt. He really can. You don't have to deny it. You don't have to continue to hold it off with all your strength. Give yourself to Him, and He will pull you through it. I pray that you'll take this step. Recovery is something that's beyond each of us. Without Him as our partner. So this morning as we conclude, uh, let's bow our heads. Lord, it's so easy for us to say there's, there's nobody who knows what we're going through, and maybe that's right if we look around us. But if we look up, God, we know that you understand. We pray, Lord God, that you would help us to turn from our denial and turn towards hope.
Lord, I pray right now that each of our ears could turn from listening to a preacher or turn from a testimony, turn from a word that's before us to the word that's within us right now. Holy Spirit, would you speak to those who this morning struggle to have the hope that you can really change them? They can live not responding to that hurt, sheltering themselves from it, putting up walls from others because of it. God, help us to believe that we can love deeply and be deeply loved. That we don't have to put up walls anymore. That you will guide us to understand how to live in that different sort of way. Lord, this process is hard because it's real. But you are the power that takes us through it. And I pray, Lord God, this morning that if we've put off embracing the reality, God, I pray that the hope could release us, could free us to reconsider. Lord, we turn to you. The Lord of the universe. The Redeemer of all mankind. The lover of our souls. Lord, we need your power. Ours is not enough. This morning, I'm going to ask you to stand only if this is your testimony that this morning I'm standing because I, I believe. I believe that God can change me. I believe that God is my hope. I stand as a sign to you, Lord God, this morning that I turn from my denial and I turn towards you. I start this journey today. I'm not going to put it off any longer. I'm not going to procrastinate. I'm going to learn to live being loved. And as you stand this morning, I want you to know that you never stand alone. So many of us walk with you. We need one another and we need this, Lord. If you take that choice with us this morning, stand and sing this song from your heart.